Uh, it was about uh, a little over 30 years ago in uh, uh, Woodstock, Connecticut, that uh, I was serving uh, a small church there uh, on the elder board, and we found ourselves in a place where we needed uh, a new pastor. And uh, so as the elders were meeting and going through uh, a series of resumes of pastors looking to come and serve uh, in different churches, uh, I popped down in front of us uh, a resume from my brother here, Rich Flashman, and I started reading through and seeing um, uh, seeing the reality of, uh, of uh, God's word where it says... Uh, we will give up fen- friends and family and and uh, brothers and sisters to uh, give our life to him. And, and what more of a testimony than here a brother uh, who was Jewish by faith, who forsook his family to follow uh, the Messiah, Jesus, uh, Yeshua. And I thought, uh, what could be more of a blessing for me and for our church to have someone uh, that's that's given up this to lead us, uh, and so we called Rich and Michelle, uh, his lovely wife here, uh, to uh, to serve us in Woodstock. Uh, I think little did any of us know at the time that the the trial of fire that uh, his first ministry would be, uh, but it, it all was in God's plan. It was all ordained by Him, and it it brought him and all of us to the place that we are today. And uh, and so, uh, as I was reading through Scripture this morning, uh, I was reminded of um, of David and Jonathan. And uh, and Jonathan uh, said he, uh, he loved David. Uh, scripture says he loved David as he loved his own soul. And and in my life, uh, I, I can I can appreciate that love that I have for my brother here, who has served so faithfully, uh, served for, uh, alongside me for a while, and uh, and still serves with me. Uh, and what he's doing in Chosen People Ministry. So it's my uh, pleasure to to pray for him uh, here today. Father, thank you. Uh, Thank you for what you're doing in all of our lives, but thank you especially what you're doing in the lives of uh, Rich and Michelle and Chosen People Ministries. Uh, I feel so blessed uh, to to be here with him uh, and to... uh, uh, and to uh, pray for him and ask him to uh, lead us uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit and God's word. So, so I pray that you would open our hearts, open our ears, and that uh, we would hear from you and we would touch, be touched by you and we would be called uh, to serve in, in the same way that you've called my brother here. And, uh, and so I thank you for him. I thank you for the words he's going to share with us today. I thank you for the heart that he has uh, for your chosen people, the apple of your eye. And, uh, and I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd like you to give a warm uh, mission point welcome to uh, my brother, Rich Flashman. Thank you, John. John didn't mention the fact that he abandoned me in Woodstock for, for Warsaw, Indiana. I think at the time I said it, it's not the end of the world, but I think you can see it from there. I didn't realize how, I didn't realize how beautiful it was here in Indiana. I think I'm going to come too, John. You know, uh, I, I can see why you came here. We had a lovely day on the, on the, on the uh, lovely time on the boat yesterday. It was, what a beautiful area you guys live in. Um, great to be here. Uh, my name is Rich Flashman, and uh, I'm with Chosen People Ministries, uh, but my greatest claim to fame is that I'm the husband of Michelle uh, Flashman. Yeah, that's right. She said, that's right. <laughs> and uh, and I, we have three boys, three grown, grown boys. Uh, Joshua, our oldest, is 29 years old, and he was in the Marine Corps, and uh, he's out now on the post-9-11 GI Bill, and, and, and is in his fifth, his fifth audition with Juilliard in, in Manhattan. And uh, I know, he's laughing. Who knew? Uh, we didn't know he had such talent, so uh, so he's uh, one more one more audition to go, and he's going to be accepted at Juilliard. So we're so we're hoping that happens uh, for him for his sake, but uh, we're, we're excited about that. So, but he's on the post 9/11 GI Bill going to school, and we want to thank you very much for your support. Um, and then our, our youngest son Zachary uh, was uh, was going to UConn and uh, decided he wanted to go fight in uh, in the war that was going on at the time, and and uh, we try to encourage him to to uh, stay in, uh, and, and go through ROTC and all that. And he said, no, the war will be over by the time I, I get done with, uh, with, with school, so I'm going to go right in. So we're going right in uh, to uh, join the 82nd Airborne. Uh, and now he is out, and uh, he is uh, in, back at UConn and wants to be a lawyer. 
and on the post-9-11 GI Bill. Thank you again for uh, your, your support. Uh, and then finally, uh, we have our, our middle son did what we told him to do. We stayed in school. Uh, he's a CPA working for a pharmaceutical firm in, in uh, New Haven, Connecticut, and he's just given Michelle and I, and, uh, and, and his, his, wife and, his wife and he have given Michelle and I our first grandchild, uh, two months old, Benjamin. And I was, I was challenging everyone in the first service that they can find a cuter child than Benjamin, and uh, I, you know, I, I don't think it's possible, but uh, if anybody wants to challenge me, I have the pictures right here to prove it. Um, and uh, they're, they're on Cape Cod this weekend, so we're having a good time. Um, and, uh, and I am with Chosen People Ministries. I've been a, I was an evangelical free church pastor for 27 years uh, and uh, working uh, five years in, about five years in Woodstock with John and then uh, 22 years in Monroe, Connecticut, uh, which is southwest Connecticut, uh, much closer to, uh, to New York City. And, um, and, and I was very happy as an evangelical. Any evangelical free church people here? Anybody? Say, raise your hand. Let me see it. Be proud. Yes, proud free church people. And uh, <laughs> why are you hiding? <laughs> So, uh, so, uh, so, I, so I was very happy there, and, and then I made the mistake of inviting Mitch Glazer, the president of Chosen People Ministries, to, to our church to speak on something. He took me out for lunch afterwards and said, I'd like you to come join the mission. I said, no, and here I am. Uh, you know, five years later, five, it took him about five or six years for me to get, get the word from the Lord, but, uh, but here I am with, uh, with Chosen People Ministries, and, and uh, glad to be able to be doing that. I, I do most of my work in Brooklyn, New York, you know, the other holy land, we call it, um, <laughs> And uh, there, there, Brooklyn is a city, uh, this, 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 this city, this small area of three million people. I mean, uh, you know, how many people live in Warsaw? Yeah, you're probably the same landmass <laughs> as, as Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I don't know what the landmass is here, but it's, I'm sure it's close. Um, and and uh, so three million people pushed together, and, and over a third of them are Jewish. Uh, about a third are, uh, are Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox Jews. Uh, the, you know, the Haredi Jews, we see with the, with the payas and the big hats and all that stuff. And uh, then the third are modern Jews, like I grew up in a modern Jewish home in Newton, Massachusetts. And then, uh, and then there are a third are Russian Jews. And the Russian Jews are the most open. Uh, the Holy Spirit blew through the Russian Jewish community at the end, late 80s, early 90s. And, and uh, actually, uh, there were, there were uh, many, uh, many hundreds, even thousands, came to believe in Yeshua uh, during that time, Jesus, uh, during that time. And so very exciting. So there, there were about a half a dozen Russian Jewish congregations uh, in, in uh, uh, Brooklyn, but there were zero English-speaking Messianic congregations. And, and, uh, and so uh, they asked me to come down and start, start one, but not just one. But they, our goal is to start a, a, church pl- a Messianic church planting movement. And I'll tell you how we're going to be doing it in a second. Let me, let me go to the slides uh, and, uh, up here, if you could uh, put up the... Uh, this is the Brooklyn Center. Uh, this was an old Jewish mortuary. Uh, that, we, that we bought, the, the mission bought, and turned into a state-of-the-art mission center. Uh, cost $7 million. We have zero mortgage. You know, the, the, the Lord has provided for, for all, for, the, for that wonderful transition. You should have seen this place. It was an absolute disaster. You know, and, 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 and you know, the Jewish community is not happy we're there. You know, people ask, you know, what, you know what, how do they feel about you being there? We, I tell them we have a love-hate relationship. We love them, they hate us. And, <laughs> and they tried to stop the center from being built in a number of different ways through political means. But uh, that the Lord was fighting for us, and uh, so uh, it's called the Charles Feinberg Center for Messianic Jewish Studies, or the, oh, the Charles Feinberg Messianic Center. And um, so you go to the next, the next uh, clip, and we have we have about seven or eight uh, current ministries out of the Charles Feinberg Center, both English speaking and Russian speaking. And uh, you can go to the next clip. Um, we have, we have two congregations. Uh, there's Bessar Shalom Brooklyn, the English speaking congregation that I lead, and then there's uh, the Gesher Hashemayim. Which, which is the Gates of Heaven, which is uh, the Russian congregation uh, that, that also meets. We meet in the morning, they meet in the afternoon on, on Saturdays. We worship on, on Shabbat, on Saturdays. And, um, and so, uh, so the, uh, that's our first bar mitzvah. That's me on the right. That's our first bar mitzvah. That's Daniel in the middle. That's, uh, he's, he's our first bar mitzvah boy. And, uh, and that's uh, my associate Joseph on the left. That's our sanctuary. You can see it on the left-hand side. Uh, and it looks, looks very much like a Jewish synagogue, and I'll explain that in a moment. Um, and uh, we want Jewish people to be able to come in uh, to our, our, our facility and feel that's familiar and it's safe. And so they can hear the gospel. You know, uh, we're trying to restore the Jewishness of the gospel to the Jewish community. And we're seeing Jewish people come to faith. Praise God. Um, and uh, tell you the story, I was told your, your pastor yesterday the story of Shimi. Shimi was an Israeli soldier uh, that, that, um, 
that had a cousin that was going to, 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 uh, to, to, to Shabbat services at our facility, and uh, he went to visit her. He heard the gospel preached in a Jewish way. He went back to his, his, uh, his, his apartment. He read through the scriptures all night long. In the morning, he gave his life to Jesus, and uh, we baptized him last January. And uh, pray. he's back in Israel now. He was an Israeli, Israeli soldier, uh, Orthodox Jewish guy, back in Israel now, and, and, uh, and he married a girl in Brooklyn, brought her back to Israel, and, uh, and, and is considering going full-time ministry. Um, so we, we praise God for that. Next, next uh, thing, this is uh, the Common Grounds uh, Coffee House. Uh, this is the, we, we, uh, we do this in a kind of a unique way. We don't have Christian artists come in. We, we invite Jewish artists to come in. Why do we invite Jewish artists? So they'll invite their Jewish friends. So we, so we can make friends with them and share the gospel you know, with them. So, uh, so, uh, so we, we, give up, we give up editorial control so that we can make friends with Jewish people and share the gospel with them. Um, and uh, next, and then we do special events. We have lecture series there. We had, uh, we had the, um, the man who was the curator of, of, the, of, of the, 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 the book of the scroll uh, in, in, in Jerusalem. Anybody been to Jerusalem, at the Jerusalem Museum? You know, the, you know what I'm talking about? And, and uh, his name is Adolfo Reutemann. He came and spoke to us. The Jewish community threatened him. And said, if he comes to us, that he'd be cut off. He wouldn't be able to speak anywhere else. He said, no, these are my, fr- my friend invited me to come here. I'm going to go speak there. Uh, so uh, so it's, 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 it's a little battle that goes on. Um, next uh, thing. Uh, we, we have an internship program. We're, we're looking for people who, who, ha- who uh, are, can articulate a call to Jewish mission or ministry. Uh, if that happens, we will, we will train you, uh, mostly at our expense, you know, to do that. If you go to our seminary, we have a seminary that meets in this building. Uh, I'm one of the professors in the seminary. If you go to our school, we'll pay for 80% of the cost of your education. And you'll get a Talbot Theological uh, School degree uh, from there, an MDiv and from Talbot. Um, and we're, we're, we're Talbot East. And uh, so you guys know Talbot, Biola University on the, on the West Coast? You guys know that? No? Not familiar? Just Grace? That's all, that's all you know? <laughs> okay. Um, you ought to get out more. Okay. Um, so we have an internship program, bringing young people all the time. We have, I think we have half a dozen interns this, this summer coming in, doing a summer internship with us in Jewish ministry and mission. I have a, a book table in the back there. There's all kinds of uh, uh, ministry opportunities, short-term ministry opportunities. We go to, we go to exotic places uh, like New Zealand and, and the ashrams in India and uh, the Andes. We go trekking through the Andes uh, with Israeli soldiers and so forth and, and uh, exotic places like Brazil and, 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 and Brooklyn, New York. And, and so, so there's all kinds of things you can get. In fact, John is coming with us this summer to, uh, to do a Hit the Streets in Brooklyn. I'll show you that in a moment. Uh, next one. Shalom, Brooklyn. We hit the streets in the summertime for a couple of weeks, and, uh, and church, people from churches all over the country come and join us. And uh, we do Jewish ministry all week long, uh, training in the morning, ministry in the afternoon and the evening, uh, a, a Jewish cultural day in the middle uh, where we just, we just go to Jewish museums and, and we go eat Jewish food. You get a, you get a, a, cor- a corned beef sandwich that big. You know, a Katz's Delicatessen in Soho, you know, uh, and, and you'll love it. You'll love the dynamic of the city and uh, if God may be calling you to, to do a week of service in, in Jewish mission. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, and you know, we're, next, next, next thing. We get, we get opposition as a result of our, our time. Again, I said this is love-hate relationship. You know, uh, you want to know how they feel about us, you can go to, uh, just Google, um, huge danger lurking in Brooklyn, uh, scroll down about an inch and then hit the video. That's us. We're, we're, we're the huge danger lurking in Brooklyn. And um, do I seem dangerous to you? I, I don't feel dangerous, but I, I, I like to be dangerous. I always want to be, like, you know, dangerous. Um, so anyway, so, uh, we, so we, we, they, they, they smash our mezuzahs. They tear down our, our things. They turn over our book tables. You know, they, they shout and scream at us. Next, next slide. They, they, they do this when, we, when, when we're ministering on the streets. These are Christians who are trying to steal your soul. Don't be fooled. You know, now you think that, well, what's wrong with that? These are Christians. So in, 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 in Orthodox Jewish Brooklyn, being a Christian is not popular. And, and uh, so, so, that, so they, they, they come and they, they harass us when we're out in the streets. Uh, but it's okay. We, we, we like it because, it, because we, we know we're having an impact. You know, we know that they're, they're, they're noticing us. The worst thing would be that they ignored us. So the fact, the fact that they're angry with us means that they're not ignoring us. And that's a good thing. Uh, so uh, so it, it's okay. We, we, actually, we actually look forward to, to a little bit of opposite. I don't want to be killed. You know, I don't want anybody to shoot me, but, but I, but I, and, and we were threatened. Michelle and I came out of a meeting one time, and this guy starts yelling at us, you know, threatening to, to, to wipe us out, you know, and, and kill us, you know, and call, calling us a suicide cult. You know, uh, welcome to Brooklyn. Um, and then next slide. 
Uh, we, the, one of the, most, the biggest successes we're having now is on social media. Social media is amazing for Jewish mission because Jews want to be, when they're examining the claims of, about Jesus, they want to be anonymous. And social media provides that anonymity for them. And so they go on, they go, we, we advertise on Facebook. We drive them to our evangelistic websites, ifoundshalom.com and isaiah53.com. They go to the websites. We offer them free materials at the websites. If they'll give us their contact information, they give us their contact information. We send them the free materials. We have a thousand unbelieving Jewish names right now. You know, amazing. Never in the history of the mission have we had this many names. You know, of, of people to follow up with. We, we, in fact, there's so many, we can't, we, we, don't have the, we don't have the personnel to fight, even though we're an organization of 250 people, we don't have, we don't have the, 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 the personnel to follow up with these people. We need help. We need volunteers to help us who live in Warsaw, Indiana. You know, and, uh, we call it a volunteer in place program. You can make telephone calls from Warsaw to Jewish people in Brooklyn, New York, and set up appointments and things like that. So we, so we, we do need help, you know, in, in this area. Maybe God's calling you to that. Who knows? Um, and then, uh, so, so, that, so social media is amazing. It's changing the face of, of, of Jewish mission. Uh, next. And then the future we're looking to, we're, what, what the big goal is, 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 is to multiply uh, Messianic congregations throughout the greater New York area. There are 2.5 million uh, Jewish people or more in, in the greater New York, air, New York City area. And, and, uh, and there's one, there's not, you know, well, there's one in Brooklyn. There's, there's, a, there's a couple in, in Manhattan. But they're, but they're very few and far between the Messianic congregations. So, we, so out of our seminary, we, we were going to train up our young people in the seminary and then, and then get them on to lead, uh, uh, planting congregations through, throughout the area through our training and through, our, and through our, th- this model that we're doing in, at, at Bessar Shalom in Brooklyn. So I ask you to pray. Please pray for the work of the gospel uh, in Brooklyn and beyond. Uh, and uh, We're in 17 different countries around the world. Uh, wherever there's a major Jewish population center, that's where we are. And, uh, and so if you have any more interest in, in what we're doing, I'll be at back at the book table at, at the end of the service, and we can chat and talk about what's, uh, what's on your heart. Um, thank you very much for appreciate you guys having us here uh, today. Uh, let's move on now to, to the Word of God, to Scripture is the reason why I've come here this morning. And, um, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about my, uh, about, uh, um, my own testimony, my own testimony. Um, uh, journey. Um, and a lot of that journey had, had to do with, um, I, I, I guess from an early age in my life, I, the only way I can describe it is I, I struggled with, you know, what life was all about, meaning and purpose. You know, as soon as I became sort of aware of these things, I didn't sort of get it. I remember le- learning one time that, that the sun was going to die, you know, and that, and that the world would be wiped out billions of years from now, you know, but, but it, 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 it occurred to me that if that was true, then Everything we do down here is meaningless, absolutely meaningless. And I, I didn't sort of get, you know, I grew up in a very, in a sort of a secular home. My father was, was, a, was a materialist. You know, when, when, uh, you know, when, you, you know, when you're dead, you're dead. Six feet under, that's it. There's nothing more. Than, that's all there is. And so, and so I didn't really understand or get what, what the purpose of life was about. I remember having a conversation with my mother one time. She wanted me to go to bed early, so uh, it, it, she wanted me to go to bed. I didn't want to go to bed. And so... Um, and so I said, why? Why should I go to bed? And, and you know, I was precocious. And, and, she, and she said, so you get a good night's sleep. And I said, why do I need a good night's sleep? And she said, so, so you, you do well in school tomorrow. I said, why do I need to do well in school tomorrow? She goes, so you get into a good college. I said, why do, you want, why do I need to get into a good college? She said, so, so you can get a, get a, a good job and, and have a family and, 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 you know, and, and have a car and a house and all these things. I said, why do I want to have a, have a family and a car and a house and a garage and all those things? And she said, so they can have a family and, 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 and a house and a car and all those things. And I said, am I missing something? I said, is there something missing here? Is, 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 are we only here to sort of continue the bloodline? Are we only here to sort of enjoy ourselves and have some material comforts and, and, then, and then to die? You know, again, the world's going to end someday. Is that, is that all there is? I began to feel like that woman in the Wendy's commercial from a generation ago, you know, who looked at the hamburger and said, where's the beef? You know, I, I want to know where the beef was. What, was. what was life all about? Why were we here to begin with? You know, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't understand, you know, what, 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 where the beef was in life. Uh, there had to be more than just existing. Now, I grew up in the turbulent 60s and in the early 70s. Those were my formative years. And, and I saw the world in, in, in chaos and, and all the selfishness and hostility and brutality in the world around us. Vietnam was going on and, and the, 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 the corruption of Watergate and all that stuff. 
And, and I wanted to understand why things were the way they were, why the, hum, the, the, the human condition was the way it, that it was. And, and, uh, and I, wanted, I, I, was, I was hoping that maybe, maybe the purpose of my life would be to help make the world a better place. You know, that, that, that's, that's, I thought that would be at least, at least I could do that. I was trying to understand uh, the world it was. I ended up going to college and, and I became a theoretical Marxist in college. So the professors there all said, the reason the world is all screwed up is because society is corrupt. If we change society, we can change people and change the world. And I bought into that for about three years. And, and, uh, and, I, and I studied that, and I, and I sincerely wanted to make the world a better place. And that's why I did it. It was, it was, it was actually a, a passion that I began to have. Now, this is something that's, that's not unusual for Jewish people. Uh, there, there is an impulse in the Jewish community uh, to bring healing to the world. They call it tikkun olam to heal the world, to repair the world. Ever wonder why Jewish people are, are so uh, socially liberal uh, and, and, uh, and, and, and left-wing in their politics? Like, like what, 75% of them are, are Democrats? Nothing against Democrats. I love Democrats. You know, but, just, but you ever wonder why they are? And the reason is, is because they, they believe that, that, um, that, they, that they want to repair the world, they want to make the world a better place, maybe because they've been persecuted and, and have been harmed by the world. And, and they want to make the world a better place, and they see government as a vehicle for bringing that about. Uh, and, so, and so it leads them to a, to a, a, a more socially liberal and, and uh, left-wing political point of view. Now, they, but they really believe they, they, that they're going to bring healing to the world. They, they, uh, it's, a, it's a genuine impulse in the Jewish psyche. Uh, now, now, you and I know that without a Savior, that's never going to happen, but, but you have to admire the impulse. You know, my rabbi was in this, was in this area as well. I, was, I went to a reformed Jewish uh, a synagogue in, in Boston, Massachusetts called Temple Israel. And, and, my, and my rabbi was Rabbi Roman B. Gittleson. He was a famous uh, rabbi. He won the Templeton Award for uh, his work as a Navy chaplain on Iwo Jima. And I was in his confirmation class at 15 years old. And I was bar mitzvah at 13. And um, he, uh, he, uh, he, said, he was talking about God in confirmation class. I didn't recognize the God he was talking about. So I followed him into his office after class, and I said, Rabbi Gittleson, you were talking about God in class. I didn't recognize the God you were talking about. Can, can you, who is your God? You know, and, and he began to ex- describe a God that was an impersonal force, kind of a, kind of a Hindu you know, uh, a view of God. You know? and, and I said, oh, I, I said uh, you don't believe in, in, in the God of the Bible? No, no, I believe in an impersonal force. I said, what about Messiah? He goes, I don't believe in a personal Messiah either. I believe that we are going to bring in a messianic age. That we are going to bring in a better day. That people are going to get better and better. The world is going to get better and better. And we're going to, we're going to bring in a messianic age uh, to the world. You know, and I know that doesn't, that, I know as, as our understanding of human nature, you know, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But it made a lot of sense to him. And it made a lot, makes a lot of sense to a lot of people uh, in, in, in the world today. Now, no matter what you think of that, though, even though you may disagree with that point of view, you've got to admire the, the missional impulse that exists in people who hold these positions. They really believe that, that they really want their lives to count for something to make the world a better place. Would that the people of God had this kind of a missional impulse in them. Would that those of us who have been, who have been entrusted with the truth of the gospel had the same kind of impulse to make the world a better place through faith in Jesus the Messiah. That's what we want, right? We want, we want, to, we want that missional impulse to well up within us. You know, not in our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit welling up within us, resting in God's power and God's, God's strength, and enabling us to go into the world and bring the good news, the good news that the world needs and wants now, right? Amen? Yeah, now, we're, uh, we've got a job to do down here that God has left us with, you know, and, and, and it, it's, it's, you see, God is a missionary God, and he's on a mission, and he's beckoning us to join him on that mission. See, the, the mission doesn't begin with the church. The mission begins in the heart of God. And he wants us to become part of what he's doing in the world. We've been called out to, to a special job to do. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. That, that, uh, that, about the special mission that God is calling us to enter into. But, and I don't want you to take my word for it, though. I want you to listen to the words of, of the great saints that have gone before us. Who have, who have indicated by their teaching and by their writings that, that they were on board and they were promoting the mission of God in their lives. Listen to their last recorded words, the last things that they were saying before they left planet Earth. And you'll understand their heart and the heart that they wanted the, the people of God to have after, that, after they had gone. And when you do that, you're going to discover that it's all about the mission of God. And so, and so the key for us in, in, in the body of Messiah, in the, in the church... Is, is to uh, embrace this 
and make the mission of God central to our lives, that be the prime directive in our lives that would drive us in all that we do. I know that, you, that the leadership here has that heart. I know that they, they, they desire that, and I know that, 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 you, that you have that heart, but I, maybe, maybe this morning I can sort of fan the flame a, a little bit more. You know, so, so, that, so that we become the missional people that God's called us to be. So first of all, I want to say that we can, we can maintain the centrality of, of the mission of God in our lives by, by living out the truth of God's missional priorities and principles in our lives as taught by the last words of great saints that have gone before us. First of all, we can maintain the, the um, centrality of God's mission in our lives by embracing the great, these key missional truths for our lives. Now, Moses... Is, 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 is really big in the Jewish community. You know, he's, he's as big as they get. They call him Moishi. Moishi, Moishi, Moishi. That's all we hear about in, in Brooklyn. You know, is, and, and when Moses talks, people listen. And before, before Yeshua hit the scene, before Jesus hit the scene, you know, Mo, Mo, Moishi was the number one guy. And so when Moishi talks, you got to listen. Okay, and this is what Moishi says. Go, go to Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 26 through 29. Deuteronomy 33, 26 through 29. I'm reading from the... Uh, the Tree of Life version of the Bible. It's written, by, it's written by a bunch of Messianic Jewish scholars. and They put it together. It's a wonderful version. You're gonna, it, I recommend picking a copy up. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Maybe, maybe I'll get a royalty for doing that. Um, don't want to miss out on that. Um, so here we are. Uh, Moses is writing. These are his, basically his last words uh, to Israel. There is none like God, Jeshurun. Riding through the heavens to your aid and through the skies in his majesty. A refuge is the ancient God and underneath are his everlasting arms. He drove out the enemy before you and said, destroy. So Israel rests in safety, untroubled as Jacob's fountain in a land of grain and new wine. Yes, his heavens drip dew. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you. A people saved by Adonai, the shield of our help and the sword of our triumph. Your enemies will cower before you and you will trample on their backs. Moses is saying to Israel, there is no one like our God. There is no one like Jeshurun, the upright one, the, the mighty one. He is, he is our refuge. He is our champion. He is our shield. He is our helper. He is our sword. He is our conqueror. He goes out to fight for Israel. That was what, that's what the, uh, the Israelites missed out in the first, their first approach into the promised land, right? They, th- they saw the Amalekites in the land. They got scared because they were giants in the land. And we looked like as we were grasshoppers in their eyes. And, 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 and Caleb and Joshua were saying, come on, let's take the land. God is going to fight for us. That's what Moses was saying here. That God is going to fight for us. God's going to go before us. He's, he is our champion. He is incomparable. There's no one greater than this God. He is, he is beyond being compared to anything else. The prophets pick up on this theme. The prophets grab a hold. Really, uh, someone has said that, that uh, the prophets are just sort of commentaries on the Torah, on the, five, the first five books of, of the law. You know, um, and so Isaiah picks up on this theme of the, the incomparable God, does he not? Isaiah chapter 40, that, that, uh, that there is no one like the Lord. The Lord, that, that, that Isaiah starts saying, who can measure the oceans in the hollow of his hand? He measures the oceans in the hollow of his hand. He can hold the, the dust of the earth in a basket. The nations are like a drop in the bucket to him. No, they are less than nothing before him. To whom will you compare, says the Lord? One of those ridiculous idols um, made, of, made of stone and, and gold and silver. What a joke. The Lord sits upon the circle of the earth he raises up and lowers kings. He stretches out, his, stretches out the heavens like a canopy. He raises up and lowers leaders, right? I mean, we're all worried about the election this year. You know, folks, God's on the throne. He's in control. You know, and, and, and who knows what God's going to be doing this year in the election? Who knows? But the bottom line is, we as, as believers, we need to be confident. He's the one that raises up and lowers leaders before us. Whom will you compare, says the Lord? Who created the stars? He did. Who brings them out one by one for man to see? He does. Who names each one of the stars? Billions and billions and trillions of stars. Who names each one of those stars? Who makes sure that each one of them comes out at night? He does. 
The Lord does all this and more. Now Isaiah is looking forward to the future. He's looking forward with prophetic perspective to the Jewish nation in Babylon in exile. They're questioning in the exile that, that has God abandoned them? Has God given up on them? Isaiah 40 is God's answer to the exiles that are going to be wondering about this over a hundred years later. And his answer is the same answer that answers the cry of our own hearts when we go through troubling times in our own lives. When, when we have times of doubt of God's love for us. When we go through those hard times and he says, therefore, why do you say, in, the, in Isaiah chapter 40, therefore, why do you say, O oh, oh Israel, but we can say it, apply it to ourselves as the people of God, why do you say, O oh, Christian, God doesn't care, or God isn't relevant in my life? Do you not know and have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He is all-powerful, he is all-knowing, and he will give you and I what we need to live out the life and to live out the mission that he's called us to. Do you believe that? We need to believe. That's what I'm trying to say is we need to believe this. We need to believe that God's got our back. That if we do his business, he'll, he'll watch our business. He'll care for us if we, if we care for the things that are on his heart. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. What are we scared of? What are we scared of by stepping out in faith and doing something for the Lord? Nothing. He's got our back. He'll keep us. He saves us to the uttermost. And as we do that, as we rely on him, as we do that, we'll be able to soar on wings as eagles. No matter what we go through in life, we'll walk through the hard times of life and we'll not give up. And we put our hope in him and not in the the idols of our life. We'll get back to that in a moment. You see, before we can go on mission with, with God, we've got to learn to put our hope and confidence and reliance upon Him. There's going to be times of confusion. There's going to be times when the heavens are going to seem like brass. That's normal. That's probably that's a normal Christian life. Did you know that? That there are going to be times in your life of deprivation, of spiritual deprivation in your life. There are times of consolation and joy and all that, but it's not always like that, is it? There's times of deprivation where you feel like God is so far from you and so far away. And what God is saying is, I'm the heaven, I, I haven't left you. I just want you to dig your well deeper. I just want you to go deeper with me in life. I want you to learn stuff through the deprivation. When I was in Woodstock with John, there as, as, our, as, as elder there, God was bringing me through a boundary experience. It was painful. I wouldn't want to go through, I was telling John this week, I wouldn't want to go through it again. I hope I learned my lesson. You know, through that time, it was a painful five years of ministry. But God was shaping me, informing me. And he was shaping you, and he was shaping the elders, and he was shaping the church. He was, he was very efficient. He was shaping everybody. <laughs> you know, takes one thing and does all kinds of things. Now, we all go through this, right? We all go through times of difficulty in our life. Though God's not abandoning us during those times. He's shaping us. He's molding us. He's conforming us. It hurts. We don't like it. But it's a, it's a mark of his love in our life, is it not? Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 12, right? You know, the, the, Lord, the Lord chastens those he loves. That's what he's doing. He's forming us. He's shaping us. He's developing us. You know, there, there, there are going to be times like that. And that's what Isaiah is saying to Israel. God is saying to Israel through the prophet Isaiah. And, and Israel's thinking, has God abandoned us? Because we're here, we are in exiles. God abandoned us, and, 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 and they're believing this. And, and, and Isaiah is saying, it's a lie. Don't believe it. When you, when you start to, 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 to fall into that, when you're in captivity, don't believe it. God will not abandon Israel then or now, and God will not abandon you ever. He's with you. This is supposed to give us strength and confidence to face the difficult times that we go through when we serve the Lord. And there will be those times. Now, he might not solve all of our problems. And we may have to go through difficulties and trials in our life, but he'll give us what we need to get through. He'll give us the stamina. He'll give us the power. He'll give us the resource that we need. The question on our part, the part that we need to be concerned about, I believe, is, is dealing with our own lives and getting our hearts ready for the work he wants to do in it. And that means, one of the things that means, I believe, is getting rid of the idols in our lives. 
You know, being ruthless with the, the, the idolatry was the, the, that key sin that, that sent Israel into, into captivity, uh, um, and, and the, into Babylonian captivity in 586 B.C. We've, we've had to do business and rid ourselves of the idols that we pray. An idol is anything that takes the place of God. Anything that's more important in our life than, than our relationship with God and, 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 and His calling on our life. It can be anything. It could be jobs, careers, financial security, uh, uh, this desire to control the world around us, the seek for significance that we have in our lives through popularity and friends and recognition and acceptance and inclusion. And dare I say, even family can become an idol if, uh, if, if, if we're not careful in our lives. Now, not Benjamin, my, my grandson. He could never become an idol. But, but, but family, it can. It can happen when, when it becomes more important than, than our relationship with God or, or, or his calling in our life. Um, we, we, need to, we need to realize that, that, it's, it's, that our first allegiance is to him. You know, and, and I know that's hard sometimes to, to imagine that, but, but we have to come to grips. Our first allegiance is to him. When we turn to him and, uh, for, for what we need, for the comfort that we need, for the significance that we need, for the, for the fact that he's in control of all things, we can trust him for all things, then, then it gives us a place of freedom from the idols of our lives and we can move forward in service for his kingdom. But Moses tells us, not only is the Lord incomparable, and as a result, we are incredibly blessed. But he says that, that, he says that Israel, you are the blessed, most blessed of all people. He says, blessed are you, O Israel. Why? Because of, because of, because of all the things we've just talked about. The Lord is our, our refuge, and he defeats our enemies, and he provides us safety, and he's our shield, and our help, and our sword, and he fights to protect us. In fact, Moses gets so excited as he, as he, as he sort of issues this, po- this poem at the end of his life, at the end of his ministry, that he, he cries out, Mi chamocha, who is like you? Now, every time in the Bible, when one of, one of the prophets or the writers of the uh, Bible say, Mi chamocha, it's, it, it's, it's who is like you, O Lord? The only time in the Bible that I know of when he says, who is like you, O Israel? How wonderful it is to be the people of God. How wonderful it is to be you. Mi chamocha, who is like you, Israel? Again, this is an amazing moment in, uh, in Israel's history. You know, where we have been, we are a people, uh, Israel was a people saved by God, and we are a people saved by God. God saves us as he saved Israel. God fights for us as he fought for Israel. And, and, and he has done even more for us. We are the ones who have received the promise of the ages, have we not? The things that were promised that, that, that God had in store for, for the nation of Israel has now come to us in the church. And we're the recipients of all that. It's amazing. It's glorious. We, well, you look at, I just go to the, if you want to get encouraged, go to the Ephesians chapter 1 and just start reading. That, that we've been called to be holy and blameless in his sight, to be adopted as his sons and daughters, to be redeemed by his blood, to be forgiven of our sins, to be given the knowledge of his will, to put everything under the headship of Jesus the Messiah. And having received all of this by grace and appropriated this through faith, he now sets us aside for sacred use. Okay, we have, we have what I'm trying to say is, we, oh, hey, I'm getting so excited. We, 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 <laughs> I know, I know, really. We have been given everything. It's all ours. You know, we don't have to worry about our lives anymore. What's going to happen to you when you die? It's the worst thing you have. When you die, what's going to happen to you? Can I ask you? You're going to see Jesus. You're going to be in glory. You're going to be one millisecond in heaven and say, why in the world would I want to stay on earth? You know, you're going to be in his presence and you're going to be living out the most purposeful, meaningful life you could ever possibly imagine. That's the worst that can happen to you. Right? What are we worried about? What are we scared about? Why do we give in to fear so much in our lives? God has taken care of that. He did that for us so that we would be freed up to love and to care and to give the way he's always wanted us to. To surrender our lives. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. You guys are great. You know, I'm sure you do all this. You know, uh, better than, probably better than me. You know, um, we've received all this. And so we, we're, these, we're these sacred vessels that God wants to use. A sacred in, a purpose. You know, you know, we look at the world around us. We get, we get kind of jealous. We see, we see uh, people out there having a great time and doing things that we, maybe we'd like to do. And, and, and we're not able to do it, you know. And, or maybe we are able to do it. And we're tempted to do it ourselves. And you get involved in it. You know, and I, I guess I would just say to you, you know, that's not your calling. Your calling is not to be like the world. 
Your calling is to be like Jesus and to follow in his footsteps. That's, that's, what, that, that's what we signed on for as believers, to, to walk the walk, to live the life that Jesus called us to. You know, to, you know this brings me to, to David, David and his last words. You see, we've been so blessed, you know, um, that God's going to protect and fight for us, but, but to what end? What, what's, what's the goal here? David tells us. Uh, David in, uh, in um, uh, Psalm 72, David's last words, they, the, uh, it says that these are, the, the redactor says that these are the last words, uh, the redactor, by the way, is someone who compiles, you know, the, the scriptures together, and someone redacted the Psalms to put them all together. And the redactor here says that, that, um, that, uh, that these are David's last, last uh, prayers, last hymns. And, uh, and so it, one, of the, one of David's last words, there's actually a few places where it says these are David's last words, uh, but this is one of them, and it's, it, and it's a good argument. And so, and so Psalm 72 is all about this glorious king to come who is going to, be, who's going to rule and reign and majesty and glory, and, and both Jewish and Christian commentators both agree this is Messiah. He's talking about Messiah. So David's talking about his greater son who is coming. And, and, and then he, say, and he, he talks all about him and how wonderful he is. And then at the end, in verse 17, the last thing he says is, May his name endure forever, this great king, and may it continue as long as the sun. All the nations will be blessed through him. Does that remind you of anything? What does that remind you of? Messiah. It's the echo of the Abrahamic covenant, right? Where God said to Abraham that all the nations on earth, all the, actually all the kindred groups on earth, will be blessed through you, through your seed. And so David is saying this king is that seed. We know this king as, the, as King Jesus. King, uh, 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 Jesus the Messiah. And, he is, and he's going to rule and reign and he is going to fulfill the promise of God to Abraham that all the nations on the earth are going to be blessed through Jesus. But guess what? It's, it's not just through Jesus. It's, it's the fact that we learn that, that it, it comes down from, from God through Abraham to David and now to us. We are the ones who are now the, uh, who now are the body of Messiah who are, who are to work out and live out this calling to, to, to bless the world through the Messiah, Jesus. We've been recruited to be the messengers of this, uh, of this truth. It says that uh, Jesus' last words to us were what? Go into all the world and do what? Make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. The king says, get out there. As you are going throughout your life, it doesn't say go to Pango Pango. It says, as you are going throughout your life, make disciples. Bring them into the kingdom. Train them up. And God will be with you every step of the way. Just as he promised all throughout scripture. He'll be with you every step of the way. It turns out that God's promises are going to be realized to the world through us. That's, that's the way it works. Now maybe you're thinking that sounds like a lot of responsibility. You'd probably be right. That sounds like a lot of work, doesn't it? You know, uh, it, so- it sounds like a lot of sacrifice of time and energy and resources of our lives. And if you thought those things, you're right. You're absolutely right. It- there's a cost involved here. Uh, uh, you know, carrying out God's mission is not easy. You know, it-, it means time and energy and resources being expended. It may mean long hours of study in order to get yourself ready and prepared. If you, you come to... You come to uh, to uh, Charles Feinberg Center for Messianic Jewish Studies, you're going to study a lot of Hebrew. Why? We're trying to reach Jewish people. <laughs> so you're going to learn a lot of Hebrew where we are. I, I heard of a group of, of, Scot, of Scots missionaries that learned Yiddish. They could go to Central Europe, to Poland, to share the gospel with Jewish people in Central Poland and let, a whole, had, let whole villages to Jesus, Jewish people. They, they had to study Yiddish to be able to do that. It may mean that you can't, you can't have all the fun and all the toys and all the, the things that you want right now here in this life. So there's a sacrifice involved. But what I'm here to say this morning and what, and what the scripture says this morning is this. It's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Look what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. Turn there. 2 Timothy chapter 4, 6 through 8. Very familiar passage. One of my favorites. And Paul's last words to Timothy. He says... Uh, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. He's about to die in Rome. I have fought the good fight. 
I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. And what does Paul expect for the sacrifice of, 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 of his whole life for the gospel? Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who long for his appearing. If anybody tells you that working for the Lord for a reward is sub-Christian, they're wrong. Jesus uses reward to inspire us to live for him, does he not? He's said in the Sermon on the Mount, isn't that what he says? He says, that, that, isn't that what he says to disciples in Matthew 19? You know, that, that whoever's given up homes and, and fields and whatever to follow me will get a hundred, hundredfold that in the kingdom of God? You don't tell me the Bible doesn't give us rewards as an incentive to follow him. Of course it does. And so Paul says there's a crown of righteousness that's coming. What's this crown of righteousness? I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it sounds terrific. It sounds wonderful. It sounds totally worth it. You know, folks, do we actually think we can possibly outgive God? That we're going to get there to heaven and, and God's going to say, whoa, <laughs> so, so privileged to be in your presence. <laughs> it doesn't really work that way, does it? You know, we're, we're going to fall on our faces before him and thank him for, for, for giving us the privilege. And, and he has in store for us, we can't even imagine what it is. In fact, that's what Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, doesn't he? I, said, I mentioned it yesterday to the guys at, at, at Men in Christ. You know, eye has not seen and ear has not heard and mind has not conceived what God has in store for those who love him. That's you and I. God has this glorious things in store for us. You know, we, we can't even imagine what it is. It's so, it's so amazing. Now, we know some things. Some things are, are familiar to us. We know that we're going to receive a war, reward for our faithfulness, whatever that may be. We're going to rule and reign with him, it says in Scripture, a few times. Not just once, two or three times. It says we're going to rule and reign with Jesus. I don't know what that means. It means we're going to, be, uh, we're going to have joy and peace in his presence. All the tears and the, and the grief and the sorrow are going to be washed away. No more, no more crying, no more tears. It says that every dime that we invest in the work of God down here will meet us in heaven a hundredfold. A hundredfold. You can't outgive God. You can't do it. Folks, I think it's going to be amazing. The first, I think the first billion years in heaven, we're just going to be laughing with joy. Just laughing. I think the second billion years, we're going to be just delighting in the peace that we have in him. Just resting under, under that fig tree and that olive grove, right? Just resting in him. And then the, the third billion years, we're going to get to know him better. We're going to spend time learning about infinity. We have all eternity to learn about infinity. Isn't that great? It's going to be wonderful. And finally, after three billion years, we'll get back to work again. I'm not sure what it'll be, but it sounds like it's going to be glorious. Great purpose. All I'm trying to say is what Paul was trying to say to Timothy, what the great uh, saints of the past are trying to say, is that serving the Lord is the greatest possible investment of our lives that could possibly be. Going on mission with him is the greatest thing we can possibly do. In fact, missing it is, is the most colossal missed opportunity that we could possibly have in our brief experience down here on planet Earth. Folks, there's nothing more valuable than the kingdom of God. Isn't that what you, Jesus taught us? You know, it's like, it's like, the, it's like the pearl of great price that the, that the gem merchant finds and then goes back and sells everything he has to purchase that gem. It's like, it's like the, the plowman who finds the buried treasure in the field and goes back and sells everything he has to buy the field so he can have that treasure. That's what the kingdom of God is like. That's how valuable it is. And great men and women have been trying to tell us this throughout the ages. Invest your life in things that last forever. Believe it with all of your heart. Join God on his mission. Now, I know it's easier said than done. There are all kinds of things that get in the way of, of, of doing that. But the good news is God has given us resource. That's why we're here this morning. This is part of God's resources to, to encourage us and strengthen us, to be together. The people of God are, 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 are part of the resource. We, 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 our, our, the passion of our lives begins to flame up 
when we're with together, we're together and, and sharing our lives together and, and in the Lord together and, and uh, the, the, the Word of God is, is spoken and, and, and taught and, and we spend time in the Word of God and the Spirit of God empowering us. I was talking to a brother uh, between the services and talking about, about living that, that dependent life on the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can't do the mission of God without the power of the Holy Spirit surging through us. Yielding our lives to the Spirit of God and allowing the fruit of the, of, the, of the Spirit to be manifest in our life of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. All those things that as we surrender our lives, yielding our lives to, to the control of the Spirit in our, in our lives, God has given us resource. He's given us each other. He's given us His Word. He's given us His Spirit. He's given us His acceptance and His love. We have it all. It's all there for us. It's easy to get comfortable. It's easy to go off in different directions. You know, I, you know um, this is a beautiful area to live in. Uh, you know, I, just, I, I envy you guys living in such a lovely area of the world. You know, uh, being out in that lake yesterday was just, just, just so beautiful, seeing the, 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 the wind crossing the lake and the waves and the, you know, just, just a beautiful scene and the sun shining down and, and all of that. And, and, uh, and it's easy to get comfortable in a place like Winona Lake or, or Warsaw, isn't it? Um, and, uh, and, and I just want to say that, that I understand that, you know, um, I, I notice I, I speak in a lot of churches now. I used to be only in my own church, you know, but now I'm in, I'm in churches all over the country. And, and I've noticed that there's a movement away from the hard wooden pews. Uh, yeah, I, I notice you don't have hard wooden pews here either, but, but, but it's not, these aren't that comfortable. I've seen better chairs than that, <laughs> uh, but good enough, um, and, and, and I understand that. I, I, I would much rather sit, you know, in a comfortable chair than a hard wooden pew. You know, uh, amen? Amen. <laughs> but but I, I think we're missing something when we've lost the hard wooden pew. Because the hard wooden pew sent a message to us. And, and the, the message was, okay, hear the word of God, worship the Lord, fellowship, but don't get too comfortable. Get up off that pew and go out into the world that God is calling you to. That's your world. The world where you are, the world where God has placed you, you're exactly where God wants you to be right now, or else you wouldn't be there. You know, and maybe he wants you someplace else tomorrow, but he has you here today. Live that mission for him in your world, where you are. Don't let the comforts of this life, you know, keep you from the, 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 the real, satisfying, meaningful, purposeful life that God wants you to have in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you so much for, for the, the incredible uh, privilege of this call that you've given to us, that you've called us out from the world to be, your, to be your special people, Lord, Father. We don't know why you called us. We don't know why you called Israel. We don't know why you called us, but you have, and you've made, you've made us your own. Thank you, Lord. We want to follow hard after you. We want to live our lives in, in, in the most meaningful way possible, Lord, in a way that lasts forever, Lord, the way that... that that uh, is, it goes beyond, Lord, the, uh, the, the, the simple things of this life, Lord, Father, and, and will follow us into eternity. We pray, Father, that you'll give us uh, the faith to believe that. You'll give us the courage to, to move forward in that direction. You'll give us the discipline that we need, Lord, to, 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 to develop ourselves and prepare ourselves, Father, for whatever you have for us to do, Lord, Father. We are, we are weak and fallible, Lord, Father. We're prone to wander, Lord, we feel it, prone to leave the God we love. Lord, help us now, Lord, to uh, seal our hearts now for your, for your kingdom, for your glory, for your, for your heavenly realms, Lord, Father, and give us a passion, Father, for your heart, your missional heart that, that has been exposed to us through your word, Father, and real to us by your spirit. Grant us grace now to do your will and to live it out as fully as we can in the power of your Holy Spirit. And we'll give you the glory as you do that, for we pray this in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Amen.